Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of this podcast. Wait, this isn't an ad. And if you're a Patreon or Supercast subscriber, you're not hearing this in error. I just wanted to let you all know a few things about this episode you're about to listen to. For one thing, it was originally released way back during the harsh California winter in November 2018. A point in history where clearly I had no clue what editing a podcast even meant. I'm not sure the original version of this episode was even edited at all. As released back in 2018, this episode was an hour and six minutes long. Upon re-listening and giving it another editing pass, it's now 47 minutes long if you subtract all the blabbering I'm doing right now. And I suspect it tells a little more cohesive of a story than the episode did at first. That's why I'm also uploading this new edit for subscribers. I know that's the opposite of how these things work. Usually subscribers get the longer version, and you still do. You can still find it on our subscription sites. It's just that, in this case, I don't think the extra content is necessarily a benefit to this episode. But hey, listen to both and decide for yourself. But also, we're releasing it for all the world to hear even if you're not a subscriber, because it relates to a new series of pods that we're bringing your way. As I mentioned on a recent episode of Unpopular Opinion, the CIA just released a mountain of files about UFOs. I've been reading those files, and they are fascinating. So, we're going to do a bunch of episodes about what's in those files. Unlike the Paul Wellstone or Jonestown series, we're not going to do all of those episodes in a row. Instead, we'll just be dropping them in from time to time, first as bonus episodes, and then eventually as free episodes. However, next week's episode with special guest co-host Andy Sell is one of those CIA UFO Files episodes, and it will be free for everyone to hear. But after that, if you're not a subscriber, you're going to hear them just way later than the people with money. And ain't that always the way. But you'll hear them eventually. Whether you're paying me or not, I love you all the same. As for subscribers, you're getting this episode a day earlier than usual because tomorrow you're getting the first of those UFO Files episodes. A sort of bonus number where me and Fizza Dasani run through some of the weirdest UFO sightings in those files from the 1950s. And that's another reason why you're getting this new edit of this 2018 episode. It's about Project Sign, which was a 1940s government project dedicated to researching the earliest reports of UFO sightings. Kind of the precursor to what we'll be talking about on these UFO Files episodes. The stuff in those files relates to everything that happens after the CIA finally gets involved in UFOs in typically creepy CIA fashion in the early 1950s. So yeah, until then, enjoy this newly efficient version of our episode about Project Sign. And hey, thanks. We love you. Hey. 
people of Earth, your planet has to be destroyed. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Connor McSpadden. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show. I love the jaunty exclamation point in the title of that show. I know. it's. I haven't been saying it that way <laughs> this entire time. So now I have to go back and edit all of the previous episodes. Sounds like a worthy expenditure of your time. So I can say it properly. How's hi. everyone doing? That's Danger Van Gorder talking. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello. Everyone hi. knows Danger. Yep. I am universally acknowledged. <laughs> from, the, from the band Countless Thousands. That's correct. I'm very happy to be here. That is the name of one of their albums. That's... We're just really excited to be here, actually. It's the first one. I, sorry, I wasn't even thinking about that. But yes, that's true. Oh, my God. All of our, all of our albums are, plug, are positive right? affirmations, you guys. Um, really excited. Uh, Gross. Rivers Langley yeah. is here, too. Hey, hey, I'm here as well. From the Goods from the Woods podcast. That's me. Also, Olivia Hydar is Hi. here. Hi. Hello. Woo. Yes. Hi. How is it going? You know, things are all right. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, no, things are bad. Things, yeah. <laughs> so that was a lie. But uh, other than that, yeah. great. So this is the, the lineup for the next two weeks on yep. the show. Yep, strap in. We're, we're doing a, a two-part episode of sorts where we're talking about some of the earliest government attempts at investigating UFOs and at covering up the investigation of those UFOs. This week we're talking about Project Sign, which was, uh, I think, the first actual government. Yeah, that was like where it. Yeah. Next week we're talking about Project Blue Book. This week's episode is a Patreon exclusive, you lucky motherfuckers. All right. Next week's free episode about Project Blue Book, which is kind of the Environmental Protection Agency of the (laughs) 1950s and 60s (laughs) and how it was treated. That will be the subject of next week's episode. And we'll all be here for it, even danger. Yeah, unless I upset Adam. Yeah, that's possible. I think you've picked a great topic, especially to drop on a podcast, because I was driving here today and wanted to kind of bone up on Project Blue Book. So if you type that into the podcast on Apple, it's all crazy people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you guys will be the first non-insane people uh, uh, to have a Project Blue Book uh, pod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Project Projects. Sign. Yes. UFO sightings really took off in the 40s. And there's some speculation that it could be because we set off a bomb visible from space around that time. Lots of them. (laughs) And aliens were like, what is happening down there? Yeah, we were setting off hundreds a year. Uh, So many. (laughs) UFOs have been a thing forever. Like there are are fucking Bible times images that have ufos in the yep. background book of ezekiel uh, yeah i believe has a ufo yes. there's that really famous one where it's it looks like it's almost like shooting something down too right yeah yeah it's the chariots yeah. of fire and that sort of thing yeah it, it even goes back all the way to uh hindu texts right you can see references to fiery objects in the right. sky and that sort of thing yeah i mean there's one of our earliest episodes was about ancient nuclear war and mm. the idea that we have been through this before and we have (laughs) at some point in history we advanced to the point of having nuclear weapons 
and then we used them. Oh, yeah, and then Battlestar Galactica happened. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, uh, what is it? It's a, a Canticle for Leibowitz uh, by Walter Miller is that exact uh, plot line, actually. It's an oh, amazing really? book. Walter Miller uh, was a veteran. He fought in the U.S. Army, and he was in the Battle of Monte Cassino, which was basically a Nazis slash Italians on one side of this mountain, yeah. U.S. forces on the other, and in the middle on top of the mountain was a monastery, mm-hmm. and they just shelled over this mountain and ended up raising this monastery and killing all of the monks inside and he was very much affected by it and basically wrote this uh this book that takes place over the course of 800 years that describes exactly what you're talking about where the whole civilization builds up yeah they nuke themselves off the map and then the only people left are these monks who are just holding on to any text that exists Mm -hmm. and one of them is some guy named Leibowitz's shopping list (laughs) so it's like pound of salami two heads of lettuce yeah. <laughs> they like they turned it into a holy text <laughs> it's so good yeah yeah that's amazing yeah that sounds incredible it's really good and then uh he uh shot himself as soon as the book was published oh so, boy hey that's he's... the way to go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so war's good all of these ufo incidents really start gaining steam in the 40s 1947 mm-hmm. yeah it's the summer of the ufo and that is the same year 1947 is when the air Material command? I typed it as material and spell check was like, nah, 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 nah. You're you're fucking that up. Uh, So Air Material Command, AMC, was asked to study the situation and make some recommendations. On September 23rd, Lieutenant General Nathan F. Twining wrote his superior with this analysis. The phenomenon reported as something real and not visionary or fictitious like Danger says. I mean, we haven't gotten into that yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's got that in the fucking writing i don't know i don't know what to tell you no. and three months later project sign yeah was established yeah. well that summer is crazy because you know the first uh kind of modern ufo incident happens in june of 1947 and that's kenneth arnold yeah i was just about to mention right kenneth right where he and What's it's funny because he describes the motion of the craft as like a saucer skipping across the water. Not the craft itself, because the craft that Kenneth Arnold saw, uh, basically the government lost a plane in Mount Rainier National Park. They were like, hey, if you're a pilot and you can find this plane, we'll give you Mm $5,000. So Kenneth Arnold's looking for a down plane in the National Park, and then he sees, I believe it's nine craft. Yeah, uh, I believe in like a uh, uh, triangle formation. Yes, they're uh, sort of chevron-shaped craft, and they're flying in sort of a V uh, shape. And he even describes opening it because he thought it just it was like a glare on the right, window right. or something coming off of the snow. So he opens the window of his craft and like sticks his head out, which mm-hmm. is always always cracks me up because I just think of Snoopy. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> sticks his head out to make sure he can actually see what yeah. the fuck he thinks he's seeing, and he does, and he lands. Reports this, and that goes all over the world. And then, like, that's that's June of forty seven. I think July seventh is Roswell. Yeah, and that's where uh, you know the term flying saucer is popularized because he talks about it like a it moves like a saucer, shaped like a saucer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think actually he said it was shaped like a it was a chevron shape. Oh right, yeah. But then the media tecron. Uh, yeah, Took yeah, it, it had Tecron. It had yeah. the little eyes on the <laughs> on the front like cars. Uh, but then that got sort of telephoned through the media mm-hmm. to where it just became oh, flying saucer. Right. And then a month later, Roswell happens, uh, which, is, which yeah. is also really fascinating. Has anyone been to Roswell? I, I have. have. Oh, it's the best. It's such. It's. <laughs> I do, love it. So do they much. make a big deal yeah. about? Oh, oh my god! Oh, yeah. Do they? Oh, oh my god! Yes, I wouldn't do. imagine they, that. They, they have an entire museum. International UFO music, yeah, which huh. is fantastic. 
It is really great. It, it's yeah. like if the year 1997 just materialized oh. <laughs> into a museum. That is the year that I went oh. to the Roswell. <laughs> wow, you picked the best uh, year to go. It was amazing. It I, was truly a phenomenal experience. Man, uh, I, I was there on the day Prince died. So, oh, wow. Yeah, never it was, forget. It was kind of a bummer, but the museum was dope. And then afterwards, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on my... Because I'd come from Texas, so I bought like some cowboy stuff. I was like, I'm going to go to like a bar, <laughs> go hit on some, some country girls out here. This will be fun. And uh, it turns out they don't have a bar. <laughs> no. The only bar... <laughs> The only bar in Roswell is the Buffalo Wild Wings. And so I went oh. to B-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba's with my little cowboy get up. And I drank one Jack and Coke and then went back to my hotel and ate uh, uh, 10 wings and watched Prince videos on the bed. Uh, when <laughs> I, went, uh, I went with Portugal the Man. No big deal. Oh, wow. no shit. Wow. NBD when we were... Oh, wait. Uh, is that that band that I did guest vocals on? Yes. On their Grammy winning? Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. high five. Yeah. Boom! Neat. Okay. We had a fun 2016, Hell except yeah. for the part where I lost my job. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, when I, I toured with Portugal the Man, they had a day off, and they were stopping in Roswell, so I was like, mm, Of course. I'm f- going to fucking go to Roswell. Yeah. And we had the same situation. We were like, let's hit a bar. Yeah. And we asked our taxi driver, <laughs> like, where, like, what's, what are the good bars? Yeah. And he was like, man... Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Did we yeah. go to the same Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. This sounds like the kind I of saw... small town where the ta- it's you don't call a taxi, He's you just call like Ted. the the taxi. Yeah. 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 It's a really small town, and it's right next to an old Air Force base, and so there's a big military town kind of feel to it. Uh, right. And yeah. it's just yeah, it's and really it's interesting. Not terribly far from the Trinity test site, uh, right, where right. they detonated the yeah. first nuclear weapon. I think everyone's pretty familiar with the Roswell yes, incident. Yes, and so even totally. if you're not, that's a whole other... I don't think we've ever done a Roswell episode, which is insane. I mean, it's Perhaps like... you should. We it, should. Yeah. We'll do like... A, that would be like a four-part episode. Yeah. Or so, there's so much to there's Roswell. An, it's so interesting. It, it really just, is. It's such a confluence of so many different, I don't know, ideas and things. It's just very yeah. cool. I like it a lot. So some of the incidents that happened after Project Sign was established, there were uh, three incidents that really kind of sold, allegedly sold the members of Project Sign on the idea that mm-hmm. these were UFOs that people were seeing. And the first one was the Mantell UFO incident. Leading up to this, we were already getting into that time where UFO incidents were like mocked. Yeah. And yeah. people are like, yeah, that's fake bullshit. You are the ceremony right, going. Right. You get the little fishing wire. That all changed because of the Mantell incident because Mantell fucking died. Hmm. <laughs> and when that happens, people take it more seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It happened January 7th, 1948. 25-year-old Captain Thomas F. Mantell, Kentucky Air National Guard pilot, died in the crash of his F-51 Mustang fighter jet after being sent in pursuit of an unidentified flying object. This was one of the most publicized early UFO incidents. Mantell was an experienced pilot. He was only 25, but he had 2,167 hours in the air because this was World War II. Like, 25 was today's 40, basically. That puts him him in France and and Germany at, like, 22. Right? Yeah, Yeah, probably. But yeah, he probably also had like four kids at home and had been married <laughs> yeah. for two years. Been in the force since he was 18. Yeah. On January 7th, 1948, at Godman Army Airfield at Fort Knox, Kentucky, 
they received a report from the Kentucky Highway Patrol of an unusual aerial object near Madisonville, Kentucky. At about 1.45 p.m., Sergeant Quentin Blackwell saw an object from his position in the control tower at Fort Knox. Two other witnesses in the lower tower also reported a white object in the distance. Through binoculars, it appeared to have a red glow along the bottom. It remained stationary for one and a half hours, which that's a long time to just look at it. Yeah. And not send something out. Four Air Force F-51 Mustangs were in the air at the time. All four were sent in pursuit. One had to turn back almost immediately due to low fuel levels. At one point, all three are told to level out to see if they can get a better view of this object. Two of them did that. (laughs) But Mantell, for some reason, continued climbing, got to 2,500,000 feet, and passed out from a lack of oxygen. His plane went into a tailspin and crashed on a Kentucky farm. He was the first member of the Kentucky Air National Guard to die in flight. And Project Sign, this was one of the first things that they investigated in uh, 19... Because Project Sign was active for most of 1948, Mm. or I think all of 1948. And one of the weird theories about this is that everyone was just seeing the planet Venus and freaking out about it being a UFO. Yeah. Was there some gravitational lensing that might account for (laughs) the different appearance of the, the, the venus well what he described was like the size of a football field okay. and no matter well, i mean venus what... is a pretty big object <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no it's venus is yeah. like very large yeah, it's, pretty big. it's also millions and millions yeah. of miles away so i mean you get it, a little gravitational lens it I, would I mean, uh, did you yeah. see this on like a bill nye episode or something what's no, happening I, here i just i just like the <laughs> gravitational lensing is just a really interesting I mean, phenomenon but this would have no matter what, looked like a, like a yeah. pinprick of light in the sky. Right. I, I remember a couple of years ago where there was like a Facebook meme going around that was like, on November 15th, Mars will appear to be the size of the moon in the <laughs> yeah. sky. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was like super bright, I guess, but it still looked like exactly. a, a, right. a, a pinprick. Same in the, old in boring the... dot. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a star. Uh, but I had Mars, but get so many dummies retweeted that. And I, it's just like, you know, that you've never seen that in your life. You'll never see it unless something goes goes horribly wrong. <laughs> In which case, you'd notice a lot of other really weird yeah, shit. Yeah, if Mars is as big as the moon in the sky, then <laughs> everything is fucked. So yeah, what made this more credible than most UFO reports at the time is that Mantell was, like he was a decorated fighter pilot yeah. reporting this. He wasn't just some crazy person who happened to be in his plane at the time. Yeah. Which is, I think, how what the first incident you mentioned, I think that's kind of how, like, they, they basically wrote people off as crazy. Sure. And it's hard to do that with a guy like this. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the incidents that got the attention of Project Sign. We were going to do an episode, Olivia and I were going to do an episode last week about the Loveland UFO? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incident. And the only reason I, I didn't do it is because it's, it's a fascinating story. And it happened around this time, too. But it was in somewhere in Texas? Texas, right? Yeah. The Loveland UFO incident, it's just there's like 13 or 14 different people who gave reports. And what's interesting about it is what's also boring about it. They all give the exact same report. Sure. Yeah. Like every person... They were driving, and then they see this cigar-shaped object in the road ahead of them. Yeah. As they approach it, the electrical system in their car dies, the lights go out, and it just sits there until someone starts to approach it, and then it fucking 
lights up yeah. and takes off into the sky. Wow. As soon as it leaves, the electrical system in the cars start working again. And like, I think it was like 15 different people give this exact same report over the course of like two hours. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating, but also it would have just, the episode would have been us reading the same account. Right. 14, 15 times in a row. <laughs> right. When you could just watch the first like half hour of Close Encounters. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which yeah definitely borrows a lot from uh, these incidents. Right. Yeah, it was a really interesting case, but uh, it's interesting how many of them, how many reports and the ones that end up being seen as more unknown uh, involve the cigar-shaped objects. Right. And now we've got a cigar-shaped object in our solar system. Oh, we uh, do. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, what's what's uh, this? Uh, it's called, I believe... Uamuama or something Whoa. like that. And they That's think you. it could be an alien probe. It's, it, it might. It's either an asteroid, Spell just a normal asteroid. that. Oh, if, I can't. I was sad when I read that, that they said it was just a probe and not a gunship here to destroy yeah, the planet. Because yeah. I was like, come on, it's time. You yeah. Know? yeah, for ah. real. Uh, but I mean, also, <laughs> the probe thing is just a theory. They don't know. I know. Yeah. It, it's impossible to tell right now. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's talk about another incident, the Child's Witted UFO <laughs> Encounter. I don't know why I Get said child. child. It's a soul Witted. food restaurant. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> this happened early morning, July 24th, 1948. Clarence Childs and John Witted, they were the chief pilot and co-pilot, respectively, <laughs> of the Eastern Airlines Douglas DC-3 passenger plane. They were flying at about 5,000 feet near Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Strike one. At about 2.45 a.m., Childs saw a dull red glow above and ahead of the aircraft. He told Witted, look, here comes a new Army jet job. Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I bet that's exactly what he sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably smoking. Army jet job. Think, Army jet job. I think that actually would probably make more sense with a, with a southern accent. Yeah. yeah. Like an Army jet job. I yeah, think a, probably. An, I think an army jet job is when you're in the army and you stick your dick in a glory hole and a guy in the Air Force sucks you off. That's a jet job. And this object... Only if it happens really, really fast. <laughs> yeah. It's quick, too. They're good over there. If it's slow, it's a jet career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The So this object closed in on their plane in seconds. And they both later said that they saw the object fly past the right side of the plane at high speed before it pulled up with tremendous bursts of flame out of its rear <laughs> and zoomed up into the clouds. <laughs> Hold wow. up. Hold on. No, you can't just go, dude. High five. Break, break. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like the plane rear. sounds like the plane went to Laredo <laughs> in Montgomery for Taco Tuesday. <laughs> oh, Laredo Taco Tuesday everybody. Mm-hmm. Use code unpops <laughs> 15 at the register. Ask for, for Eduardo, man. Off. He knows me there. <laughs> Eduardo's good people. So they observed this object for a total of 10 to 15 seconds. Childs and Witted stated that the object looked like a wingless aircraft. 
It seemed to have two rows of windows through which glowed a very bright light, as brilliant as a magnesium flare. Wow. (laughs) I think that's what they sounded like. (laughs) Only one passenger saw anything, and that was C.L. McKelvey. You know C.L. McKelvey, Rivers? Uh, I know some McKelveys. They're not good people. (laughs) (laughs) They live down the holler, and they're always fussing and fighting and shit. (laughs) My granddaddy was a sheriff. He had to round up several McKelveys in his career. He reported seeing a bright streak of light that flashed by his window. They were interviewed by Project Sign also. Edward Ruppelt, who will come up a lot in this, a U.S. Air Force captain, he would write at one point that, according to the old timers at ATIC, that's Air Technical Intelligence Center, the (laughs) the child's witted report shook them worse than the Mantell incident. This was the first time two reliable sources had been really close enough to a UFO to get a good look. Well, so the one thing about this airspace that it should be noted is that Montgomery, Alabama is home to Maxwell Gunner Air Force Base. So you've got got a military presence in that city. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually uh, uh, Hank Williams Sr. is buried in Oakwood Cemetery across the street from Maxwell uh, Gunter Air Force Army Base. Um, But yeah, so, you know. The good Hank Williams. Yeah, the good one. Well, there's two good ones. One of the two good ones. (laughs) Got your Hank three, got your. And none of them are named Henry, by the way. It should be noted. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Hiram. Uh, oh. Randall and Sheldon. Those oh. are those are the three Hanks. None of them <laughs> are named Henry. Why would they do that? <laughs> Sheldon. Sheldon's Hank Three's real man. I did not. Dork. I would never have guessed. <laughs> yeah, Hi- that Hank Three is named Sheldon. Yeah, Hank, Hank Senior is Hiram Hiram King Williams, and then uh, uh, Hank Junior is Randall Williams. Hiram was he in the fucking Freemasons? No, they I mean, were just, he was super, just born in the forties or fifties or whatever. Born in the teens, and yeah. they were super into the Bible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, point is like for the skeptics out there you've got either a point of contact with american military or potentially you know russian military spying on american Mm -hmm. hardware Mm -hmm. right so it's one of the questions i always have with this because you always get the american perspective Mm -hmm. as far as uh as far as like skeptics go they'll always say like oh well the american army had project muggle which is like supposedly or mogul or whatever it was which had the muggles the harry potter Mm -hmm. project (laughs) that was many years later project mogul where it's the you know the big uh weather balloon that supposedly right, crashed right. at Roswell. Did they talk to the Russians? Like, the Russians surely had weird shit that they were testing out over our skies all the time, too. Right. Like, yeah. I guess we're not we're not super close with them right now, but in the eight years that we got along with them, uh, from, from 91 yeah, to 2000... Yeah, couldn't we have asked? Couldn't we have asked? Like, <laughs> yo, what were you guys up to? Like, we, we'll, we'll put our cards on the table, too. Yeah, it was a weird time. It was an arms race, almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. where we were... F- both fighting to find out as much as we could about this shit. Yeah. But also telling the public that, no, we're not looking into this. It's all dumb. (laughs) Right, right. You're an idiot. And yeah, I think a lot of UFO sightings do come down to government testing. Oh, yeah. 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 They're always doing... Like, just think of the weird shit that we know about yeah, that the government exactly. does. And then... Anybody remember that awesome uh, sky spiral from a couple of years ago? That's a... Uh... Oh, that was a uh, SpaceX. Oh, launch. the Elon Musk yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Every that yeah, every looked like a crazy warp 
yeah. thing that uh, was going to suck something in from the Forgotten Dimension. My yeah. my thing with that, whenever those pictures come out and there's just a million L.A. fucking people being like, uh, What's that? like, wow, what is that? Is that a UFO? And I just imagine there's a bunch of people in Kandahar being like, yeah, it's a Triton missile, you fucking assholes. <laughs> we know what those look like. Yeah, that's the that's the thing is uh, there are definitely a lot of and and they and they admit this in the report that they release later on that a lot of the reports do indicate that they were just misidentifying right. experimental aircraft and that sort of thing and that is definitely that seems like a very reasonable explanation yeah for a lot of things yeah that I bring this documentary up all the time called Mirage Men. Yeah, I still haven't watched that yet, but I swear to God, I'm gonna. It's so good. I can't wait. <laughs> and they they really go into like I wonder how much like there's some parts in this episode and the next episode where I wonder if that's sort of what's happening here, yeah. where the government's going out and giving people information and being like, yeah, fucking run with this, dude. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then as soon as it comes out, they're like, what? We've never heard of that <laughs> yeah. in our entire lives. Are oh, you yeah. crazy? Yeah, there's one story where there's two... I, I don't think I put it in the notes, but one of the incidents that happened around this time, it was two like highway patrolmen who reported it. Mm. And it like there was this investigation, and it went to the highest levels of the government, and they were like, yeah, it was just military testing. And these two dudes were like, you're fucking ruining our credibility. Like We would know <laughs> if it was fucking government testing like no matter what altitude we know what the fuck we saw and you're just like using science to destroy us as people yeah yeah. and there was a lot of that yeah like that's what the fuck we got up to as a government oh yeah for about 50 years and you know still now yeah well it's it's easier to discredit uh uh just people on the ground you know what i mean Mm. yeah it's a lot easier to make people look crazy than it is to make the government look like they're uh uh fucking with you (laughs) yeah so let's talk about the Gorman dog fight. This is a fun story. It happened October 1st, 1948. And this is kind of the trifecta of UFO incidents that happen under Project Sign that lead them to their belief was that it was UFO activity. George Gorman, he was a pilot with the North Dakota Air National Guard. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I bring over some loot fisk and we can watch the dog fight. <laughs> The aforementioned Captain Edward J. Rupelt wrote in his book, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, he wrote that this was one of the three UFO incidents that, quote, proved to intelligence specialists that UFOs were real. And his name will be really important in the next episode because he's the guy who ran Project Blue Book. Yeah. He was the first guy who ran it. And by 1956, he's out. And writing books about how the yeah. government's lying. He was one of the founding members, along with uh, J. Allen Hynek, who is a, a doctor, a professor at the time, and uh, who is also another person who will be really important right. later on. But yeah, who's also worked on all of these cases that Project Sign was. Yeah, what's interesting about him is he worked on all three. Yeah, exactly. And he had so he, no one has seen more UFO right. evidence yeah. than him. Like just the amount of we'll we'll talk about it more. Next episode, but Project Blue Book ends up analyzing something like 12,000 reports of UFO activity. It's insane. So Gorman was 25 at the time, but also a veteran World War II pilot. He was participating in a cross-country flight with other National Guard pilots. They all landed at 8.30 p.m., and he decided to get some night flying in. And it w- there were clear conditions. He flew over a football stadium at one point and could very clearly make out this plane flying 500 feet below him. And to the west, he sees an object that appeared to have no wings and was blinking. 
Air traffic control confirmed there were no other planes in the area. They reach out to another official who confirmed he also saw the object. Gorman decides to chase it, but realizes it's moving too fast to be caught in a straight run. So he tries cutting it off by turns. Mm -hmm. If anyone's ever played football... When yeah. like when someone's running down the sideline, you're not going to catch them if you run in a straight line. Right. They're just going to pass you. Yeah. But you can, no matter how slow you are, you can usually catch a person if you go in the right angle mm -hmm. and you have a much yeah. enough time. Yeah. So that's what he was trying. And <laughs> what if he caught him? Like I always think, like I've never flown a plane, obviously, but like when you hear all these yeah. things, it's like, and then we went after him. We we're going to get him. I'm like, <laughs> fuck that, dude. No. I yeah. Think, I think mostly they just wanted to like. <laughs> identify it yeah i suppose you know, just but, be like what is this thing yeah, yeah. have an answer <laughs> i don't need the answers that bad <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather remain unexploded yeah yeah i feel like i'd just be like there's a ufo i'm coming in for landing uh -huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is I'm off to the west gonna go get a boat and stay out of the skies <laughs> <laughs> because this basically turns in it's called the gorman dog fight for a reason it mm. turns into Basically, him in this fucking ball of light. <laughs> hey, there it goes. Shoot him. <laughs> and they're like doing these evasive maneuvers, and like the light keeps flying at him, and then like, like it's trying to fucking crash his. Yeah, like right. it's a dogfight. Yeah, and then dog he like fight flies is. into like a trench, and he's flying through the trench, and then <laughs> <laughs> takes one miraculous shot. <laughs> It's a Star Wars. Star Wars reference. Well, yeah, forces, I've really so. done it here. He chased it to 14,000 feet at one point, at which point his plane stalled. Chased it until he was approximately 25 miles southwest of Fargo and eventually broke the chase off at 9.27 p.m. Pussy. Yeah. What a fucking <laughs> asshole. And this was the statement he gave to Air Force investigators. I am convinced that there was definite thought behind its maneuvers. I am further convinced that the object was governed by the laws of inertia because its acceleration was rapid but not immediate, and although it was able to turn fairly tight at considerable speed, it still followed a natural curve. When I attempted to turn with the object, I blacked out temporarily due to excessive speed. I am in fairly good physical condition, and I do not believe that there are many, if any, pilots who could withstand the turn and speed affected oh, by the yeah. object and remain conscious. Humble brag. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I would like to see him saying this, but he's just eating. It's not a, a brag. He's, he's <laughs> saying everyone else would have passed out too, oh, you guys. Yeah. You know, come on, lay he, off. He's just like, I'm just trying to get a joke in. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I just like when he's like, yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. I imagine him just eating a big sandwich. He's <laughs> <laughs> saying all this. The object was not only able to outturn and outspeed my aircraft, but was able to attain a far steeper climb and was able to maintain a constant rate of climb far in excess of my aircraft. Project Sign finally got involved at one point. At first, they examine his plane and determine that there's all this radiation that other planes don't have. Mm -hmm. So he must have come in contact with something that ran on uh, like nuclear power. Yeah. Right. But then later, someone said, well, if you fly up that high, it's just mm -hmm. there's radiation up there. And maybe that's why you were getting radiation on it. But this is another like the this was like the third thing that happened where Project Sign was like, OK, so yeah. this this might be real because this guy didn't have any like he's a reliable source. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a thing that becomes important, especially with the next episode where Project Blue Book starts breaking down how credible all these different mm -hmm. uh, reports are. Danger, how are you doing? Oh, it's good. Good. You've been very quiet. <laughs> I'm just in, I'm just interested in these stories here. Soaking it in. Okay. 
Yeah. Soaking it in. Yeah. That's a good stance. <laughs> Your name is Danger. Do you chase the UFO if you're no, a pilot? No, heavens. Yeah. No, no, really? no, no. I'm like, hey, you know what? There's a thing that I don't understand. Uh, I'm going on break. You know, we need to rename you Sensible. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, Sensible Van Gorder. Middle name, very kind eyes. So let's talk about the estimate of the situation. <laughs> yes, this is the finally is that a Prague album. <laughs> I love, I, yeah, I love the name of this yeah. thing. <laughs> Rick Wakeman's estimate of the situation <laughs> on ice. <laughs> it's a different band. The estimate of the situation was the <laughs> WWF's estimate of the situation. <laughs> the worst pay per view of nineteen eighty nine. It was the alleged end result of Project Sign and and sort of Project Grudge too, which yeah. like pops up the next year for about a year. Right. Envious of Project Sign, couldn't get a better name. <laughs> it felt they could do better, mm-hmm. and it really motivated yeah. it. It showed up in the background of pictures yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, huh? you get that reference, pal. Yeah, it's a movie. What's it called? The Grudge. Oh, good job. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a Men in Black reference. I haven't seen it though. <laughs> the grudge was dumb. Like the actual Men in Black. The original was pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the estimate of the situation. It was allegedly written in 1948 by Project Sign members, and it supposedly explained Project Sign's reasoning for concluding that the extraterrestrial hypothesis was the best explanation for unidentified flying objects. This is the holy grail of UFO research. And they couldn't have come up with a cooler name? Well, that's apparently an official government name for when you do a big research project like this. It should be called My Shit Right Here. (laughs) This is my shit right here. The first public report of the estimate was in Repelt's book in 1956. So the same guy that ran... Project Blue Book is the first guy who went public with the existence of the estimate of the situation. <laughs> and oh my God, this is a long quote. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read all that. Do you want me to get that? I'll read it for you. Uh, oh yeah, welcome to the yeah. episode. Go no, ahead, I've been read here the that. whole time. Go. In intelligence, if you have something to say about a vital problem, you write a report, and that is known as the estimate of the situation. <laughs> a few days after the DC was buzzed. Parenthesis, the child's witted UFO report. The people at ATIC decided that the time had arrived to make an estimate of the situation. The situation was UFOs. The estimate was that they were interplanetary. Exclamation point. It was a rather thick document with a black cover and it was printed on legal sized paper. Stamped across the front were the words Top Secret. It contains the Air Force's analyses of the many incidents I have told you about. Plus, <laughs> anal. <laughs> ma- uh, <laughs> analyses. The many innocents I've told you. Plus, many similar ones. It's really analysis. I'm just saying, the plural of analysis is analysis. Anal Isis. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Go on, danger. All of them had come from scientists, pilots, other equally credible observers, and each one was an unknown. When the estimate was completed, typed, and approved, it started up through channels to higher command echelons. It drew a considerable comment that no one stopped it on its way up. So over the years, the Air Force has basically just flat out denied that this 
estimate of the situation even exists. Right. Yeah. And like they have basically shot down the idea that a team of scientists in the 50s got together yeah. and were convinced that UFOs were real. Right. The Air Force is just like, dude, I didn't say I fucking liked her in my diary. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to read that. <laughs> but what's really interesting is that this book had to pass Air Force censors mm, yeah. because they're not going to let him put out like national security stuff or anything that's going to endanger us. Sure. So that's what makes me wonder, is this book real? Because if it is, for one thing, it would have been finished after he left Project Blue Book. Yeah. Because all of the stuff that results from Project Blue Book happens after the one guy who cared about it left. <laughs> yeah. 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 So with this book passing Air Force censors, I brought up Mirage Men before, and that's a documentary about this government agent who, when people stumble onto something real... He goes out and gives them fake information and says, hey, I'm the government. You can trust me. It's coming from the government. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as they publicize that information, disavow. the government's like, what? Yeah, yeah. You fucking crazy right. person. That could be what's happening here, where yeah. the Air Force saw that in his book and was like, <laughs> no, that's not real. <laughs> but let's, put him, let's let him put it in the book anyway. Yeah. And we'll just see what people say. And then now, every year after year, they're like, what? Uh-uh. That's not right. a real thing. Right, right. Well, so, similar, similar to the Roswell thing where, you know, they released it in the newspaper the yeah, next yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, which I have that on a coffee cup that I bought uh, at the uh, at the International UFO Museum. Yeah, so wait, were you saying that you're that not place? sure if this book exists? <laughs> the Repelt's book? No, Repelt's no, book yeah, Repelt's obviously book exists. Oh, yeah. I just found it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> no, Why the... would we be questioning if that book exists? <laughs> it sounded like the, that's what you were saying. Are you even still listening to the <laughs> Barely. <laughs> but, yeah. Why did you want to do this episode? Because uh, I like you. You're... Oh, my God. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's fun to follow on Twitter. So, <laughs> and I'm excited to finally meet Rivers. I like his fun. I like his fun. You accent. didn't even like know Rivers fun. was fun. I like his yeah. fun. Yeah. That's my new Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> Estimate of the situation? I like his fun. <laughs> I'm so, I misheard something you said. Please continue. Yeah. No, what he's saying is that this this exists, but we're not sure if it's if it actually came from the government or if someone just uh, made it the fuck up. Right. Yeah. And but that was in 1956 is when rumors of this book existing, this book where science gets together and convinces themselves, yeah. based on evidence, that UFOs yeah. are extraterrestrial. Yeah, it's like the Chinese democracy of uh, government documents. <laughs> right. <laughs> or smile or something like that. And uh, yeah, they've ne no one's ever been able to get anywhere with Freedom of Information Act requests about this book. So depending on who you believe, that's how Project Sign ends, or Project Sign just ends and becomes Project Grudge. Yeah. Which also ends really quick, and then we get to Project Blue Book. Yeah, calling any, like, saying that any of the, like, Project Sign or Grudge, saying that the end always feels kind of weird because right. they continue the same work with most of the same staff. It just uh, changes names right. several times. Danger, what's your take on this? Like, on. UFOs on not on UFOs, but on the idea that this. Do you think the government? Do you think the government put out a extensive book about how they believe UFOs were real? I mean, if they had, uh, I'm sure that the Freedom of Information Act would have uncovered something, some record of it somewhere. 
I think that mm. I, I'm sure I'm certain this guy wants this thing to exist. Um, but that's a lot of that's a lot of effort to then uh, not only produce this thing, but then destroy it without ever having any record of any of it. I mean, we know what our government, by and large, we know the sins of our government, you know, and we can especially Ooh, tell. you believe that? What? And we can especially tell when they're like, I, don't, don't look at this. It's the, the, there's nothing there. But it's like, well, there's some evidence and there's some paper trails and look at all this. And, you know, there's, there are things that happen. But if this book, uh, I mean, it, it just sounds. You have to keep in mind that when, when all of this technically concludes, like weirdly, mm-hmm. All of our really shady government programs end around the time of Watergate, when everyone's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. "Fucking shred everything," <laughs> yeah. and we were just like, "Nope, we're not doing any of that anymore." Yeah, it's like the sods at the embassy. It's like, "Burn everything, yeah. burn it all." And a good example of that was MK Ultra. Oh, which fuck was, yeah! Are you familiar with MK Ultra? Uh, no. It was a literal <laughs> oh, it's... government program that lasted fucking 30 or 40 like, years. They used like LSD on folks. They yeah. used, it, it was, was a lot of stuff. To... It was way more than just LSD. Yeah. It was a mind control program that we worked on for decades. It might have involved kids. Yeah. Like It probably gross. involved the Unabomber as well. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. And we would not have known about that if not. Like, they destroyed most of their documents. And the only way we ever found out the full extent of that program was 20,000 documents got filed in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) And at what happened, the CIA came out after, like, word of MKUltra spread. They were like, okay, yeah, but, like, it wasn't massive. (laughs) People are are saying it was massive. And then a few years later, we find these 20,000 files, and the CIA has to come back out and go... It was massive. Pretty massive. (laughs) It was was huge. Large. It involved something like 150 hospitals and universities around the United States. Yeah. And Canada. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, we got them involved. They're they're nice people. Leave them alone. One of the craziest uh, figures in the MK Ultra story is this Canadian psychiatrist who went on to be the like first person in charge of I think both the Canadian and American psychiatric boards and like his whole thing was basically drugging people and then playing a a loop of whatever memory he wanted them to either have or not have anymore and i he called it psychic driving oh yeah i I know about another really good album from the mirage men (laughs) and like these were the kind of people running a legitimate government program that we pumped millions of dollars into so we were looking at fucking aliens. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah, yeah. What was Project Grudge, I, by the way? The can, thing, can 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 y'all give me like a? It was basically the same idea as Project Sign. And, oh, okay. Uh, just like, uh, I think it was a little bit smaller scale. Because it sounds right. badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, they're all oh, great names. Really good names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was basically the continuation of Project Signs. Okay. Gotcha. But when it comes to like whether or not this book existed, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, Rupel is a really credible person, right? Uh, who doesn't really have a lot of uh, motivation to lie. I mean, like he wants his life's work or part of his life's work to, I guess, have meant something. Yeah, yeah, pretty like, significant motivation. It is, it is, but also at the same time, like I don't think that's enough to discredit right. the things that he says because he yeah. has seen a lot of stuff. 
Uh, and also, uh, the person I mentioned earlier, uh, J. Allen Hynek, uh, had nothing but uh, praise for Rupelt. He right. was one of like two or three people that he worked with through all three projects who he felt was open-minded and honest and like trying to legitimately find the truth. Yeah, that's that's what you hear about this Rupelt guy in general, yeah. is that he, and we'll talk about it more next episode, but he's like one of the last people in government who actually looked at this in a serious way without getting in, like going in with bias. He actually, not to give too much away from next episode, but at one point when he was running Project Blue Book, if anyone under him uh-huh. became too skeptical or too convinced, yeah. he would kick him off the team because he did not want people who were biased in any way. It was really like an admirable effort by most members of the team to try right. to be as neutral on this as possible because they understood how easy it is, to, I think, to get carried away yeah. on both sides. So he'd, of he'd getting... fire Scullies and Mulders. Exactly. Right. Exactly, and it. Uh, I I do think it's interesting how it mirrors what kind of happens with the EPA. Do we even have the EPA anymore? <laughs> like I don't. I'm, uh, I'm effectively positive, like talking about the EPA will date this episode. Out. Like if <laughs> like the if the EPA showed up at my door right now, it would be like when I saw Joe Namath in a commercial the other day. I was like, what? <laughs> you are still alive? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I'm from Alabama. Joe Namath is still alive. <laughs> I think it's still technically. An- uh, exist despite everything our government is trying to do. Right. Yeah. His his fur coat is covered in mites, but he's still alive. <laughs> Broadway Joe, go fuck yourself. Or or eagle. Anyway, and the EPA's coat is all covered in mites too. It's really sad. yeah. They've only got exactly. the one. <laughs> yeah. Weird that they have a fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's made out of uh, uh, extinct uh, uh, mammals. Oh, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Something's got to happen. With- so, does anyone have any final thoughts on Project Sign? Before we, uh, nothing that I don't think we'll get to next week. Well, look, yeah. I, I feel like if they had the internet at this point in time and they'd released whatever, uh, if this black book exists, um, and they'd put it out into the internet, the skeptical community. You would mean the st- estimate of the situation? The estimate yeah, of the situation. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I, I, I'm sure uh, the skeptical internet would see it and go like, "Meh, whatever. I don't believe it." And by uh, the sure. same token, like there'd be just as many people who are already convinced uh, of the you know whatever it is that they believe, and it's like, all right, here's the evidence. You know, like it just seems like had there been more information sharing uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. yeah. at that point in time, like I'm not sure that it would ha- have any more effect on what people ultimately believe. Because yeah. this is that's really what it boils down to is like belief. So yeah. You know, so you're saying if uh, more people saw the sign, it wouldn't necessarily open have, up their eyes? No. Okay. Wow. Some, Ace yeah. of Base references. I wanted on to my tie podcast. it to a bow. I'm sending Ace of Base an invoice <laughs> for should. my ad revenue yeah. for this. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about Project Blue Book next, and uh, I think I think it's it's going to be an interesting episode because it because uh, we're going to do it naked. We're going to do it. <laughs> We're gonna do it all naked. Right. Okay. <laughs> We're all gonna do ayahuasca first. Oh well, now I'm 100 percent on board. Yeah. Did I te- that? We'll talk about it all. <laughs> we'll save it for Boko. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Olivia has a concussion now. Everybody. Oh, I just was worried about making noise. 
Uh, hey, we need to get more people on the Patreon, and then we could get the uh, uh, the, the the foam uh, behind. Olivia's I should have put foam behind the disco curtains. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> I feel like they they dampen the noise enough. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Those were a bitch to put up. I'm just looking out for Olivia's safety here. Oh, no, I, I, no I'm not. I'm. No. I want to make it everyone clear i am fine okay, okay i bumped my head against the wall i was more concerned about noise for the neighbors I, I was, just, i'm just saying as a as a person prone to gesticulation i appreciate it all right let's get the fuck out of here olivia say goodbye bye rivers say goodbye guten dog that's hello no it's good day <laughs> it's good day sir or should i say air dangler what i'll feel the same goodbye everybody we love you People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.